to the Written World Podcast. I'm Kylie. And I'm Izzy. And today we're going to be talking about The Mercies by Kieran Millwood Hargrave. So this book is a fictionalized account of um, a real-life storm that took place off the coast of Norway in the 1600s. Um, So that storm really happened, and it killed a lot of people on fishing boats, etc., Um, And the story focuses in on one town that lost almost every single man who lived there um, in this crazy storm. And it follows the women left in the town and what they're forced to do to survive. And a few years later, you know, they're making their way along. Uh, They've gotten a handle on uh, all of the things that were previously done by the men, and they are living peaceful if difficult life and and then (laughs) this commissioner is brought to the town in order to address uh rumors of magical happenings of witchcraft possibly going on on in the in the town Uh, it sort of chronicles the the rise of, like, Christianity and, like, the enforcement of Christianity and, like, demonization of, um, of indigenous, like, religious practices. That was very well said. Thanks. All right. So, what was your first impression? I really loved this book. I feel like I got into it really quickly, which is kind of rare for me for books. Um, even though the language and, like, the way it was written was just very simple, there was, like, something very beautiful and, like, enthralling about it. I agree. I think it had a really good, like, hook. Like, it, it kicks off with the storm. Um, yeah, I think it's very engaging, intriguing. You know what's going to happen, but you're dying to know what's going to happen at the same time. So, couldn't pick it up, couldn't put it down scale? I feel like this one was, like, a nine for me. Okay, so unfortunately for me, the intrigue did not last very far after the storm. Um, I got Rip. kind of bored. I'm going to put it out of three. Ooh, spicy. <laughs> yeah, um, I was like, so you see, you see the story pretty uh, evenly from the point of view of Marin, um, who lives in this town. Um, and from Ursa, who is coming from somewhere else, with the commissioner. He, she is his new wife. You see it pretty equally from their points of view. So I thought, like, getting the feel for what their lives looked like and, um, like, I don't know, getting their expositions, I guess, was, was super interesting. But then it started to taper off in excitement for me. That's fair. Yeah, I'm I'm usually not super into books where like not a lot happens, but I feel like I was I just really liked existing with these characters. Mm. Could tell yeah, you why. I think that's fair. And I think there like was a good like that was set up well. It was set up for you to like enjoy seeing how they went about life. And normally I do like that kind of thing, but I don't know. How'd you feel about the characters? I like the characters a lot. Um, I felt like there was a lot of nuance to them. Um, and sort of, especially with, like, Ursa, the, like, the complex, the complexity between being, like, a person in a privileged position, but also someone who's, like, under the forces of oppression and sort of, like, how that dynamic works. Um, 
and yeah i i thought that like her her sort of like naivety and how that changes mm-hmm. over the course of the work was compelling and then i thought marin was just kind of fun to read because she's very she's not she's not up she's kind of uptight but it's more that she's like worried about people's safety but also she kind of could give like two shits about what the people around her think so i think that that like dynamic is very interesting yeah i agree i think they were like satisfyingly complex and interesting i also really like the relationships between um Marin and her mother and Marin and her sister-in-law I mm-hmm. think I don't know that was really intriguing for me so Marin's sister-in-law was married to her brother um, who died in the storm and she has a young child that they had together before he died um, and so she's coping with not only the loss of her husband but raising a child by herself and she's also Sami so that puts her under scrutiny and also just like is a level of separation from Marin and her mother that kind of leaves everyone on edge and I thought that that like the complexity of that relationship and how Marin felt about it throughout was really interesting yeah absolutely (laughs) um I think that I mean we don't want to get into spoilers but I do think that the way that her relationship with her mother kind of resolves or like changes over time is very interesting and not the path that i thought it was going to go so yeah i agree what else did you like about this one i like that it was gay Uh, very predictably though like this was also one of those things where like the marketing for this book was not centered around its queerness at all and in some of the reviews that are like on the book they're like or like on Goodreads, it's like a powerful story of friendship, and it's like, honey, they're, they're not friends. Oh, I saw so many of those. I was like, did did you read the whole thing? <laughs> they are friends, but like they're not just friends. Like, I don't know. Maybe that was like meant to like not spoil, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like I feel like queerness use. should never be a spoiler. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's it's kind of like, okay. Yeah, I saw a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, and it's so inherently queer from the beginning. Yeah. Like, from the beginning. Even Marin's relationship with Dinah, you can, like, see that there's, like, a sexual attraction. There's also very many references. So, like, okay. Um, while they present the commissioner and his troops kind of uh, present everything as like we're making sure there's no witchcraft or anti-Christian stuff going on here. They're really, they're just upset that these women are self-sufficient in some ways. Um, Like there's more to it than just the witchcraft bend. Um, They don't like that these women are going out fishing on their own, even though there's like, they would all die if they didn't. They're literally sustaining themselves. Um, They don't like that like the um idea of one woman wearing pants big no no like that's a big red flag for them so yeah there's like definitely something being said here not just about uh religious quote-unquote purity but also women stepping out of their station yeah i think that in some ways it's also about like more um 
Western, like, Eurocentric views of, like, Christianity and of sexual, of, of, like, gender and sexuality, like, coming in. Because, like, the people who are really enforcing, like, hardcore enforcing these gendered, like, norms are more from, like, Scotland than actually from, like, Norway. Mm -hmm. Which is also, I think, like, an interesting, like, take on that. Yeah, that's something I would, like, to see explored in, like, other pieces. Yeah. I am always really into, like, uh, I mean, I guess this is just what historical fiction is, but, like, taking a, a historical event that, like, either we kind of gloss over in history books or um, not too much is known about it, or even if something, like, I don't know, I like a Titanic retelling, <laughs> but, like, um, I don't know, like, a play on a historical event that I didn't know very much about. Um, but that is a true story woven into, like, or used as a, as, like, a springboard for, for a whole story, a whole novel. I always liked that kind of thing, and I thought it was satisfying in this book. Yeah, I'm, um, kind of backtracking a little bit, but have you read a Titanic retelling? Not recently, but, like... But they're out there? A story about someone who was on the Titanic. Sometimes oh, not a real person. Oh, okay. This makes sense. Did I got just it. use the wrong words? It's okay. I just got really confused. I was like, wait. Did someone supplant what happened in the Titanic onto a different time period oh. and or a different, like, fantastical sphere? And I didn't know about it because that feels so interesting. <laughs> no, yeah. That probably wasn't the right word. Just, like, historical fiction set on the Titanic, I guess is what I mean. Like... Okay. Did you ever read the Dear America books? Probably not your jam. I don't think so. Okay. I feel like there is a hidden, like, fan club of the Dear America books somewhere. Because I, 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 every once in a while it makes its way into my consciousness. But they were these, like, little hardcover books and they had a built-in ribbon. And they were, like, all the diaries of young women, um, like, usually, like, 10 to 14 years old. Um, through different historical periods. So there's, like, one about the Titanic, one about the Dust Bowl, um, Civil War, World War One, World War II, um, and they're all told as diary entries from these young girls. And there's also Dear Canada, which I want to read those two, honestly. Um, very interesting. And I always love them. And the very first one I read was about, um, I think her name was Margaret, and she was on the Titanic, but she's not a real person, and it was not a real account. But it very well could have been. Um, just like Jack Dawson. Yeah, and I've read a bunch of ones like that, and I think they're entertaining. Um, but also, like, Dust Bowl, and, you know, anytime someone go something goes bad. Um, kind of like the American Girl dolls. <laughs> we always put them in tough times. Kit Kidridge of the Great Depression. Damn. <laughs> um... Molly, I think that was World War One. I. I don't remember her last name. Uh, Felicity, the American Revolution. I know too much about these. We should move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love this for you. I was a story. But yeah, no. Um, I've been actually like I have a couple of um historical fiction books on my TBR, so Ooh. I think this should be interesting. Anything to continue you this know trend. Off the top of your head. Oh, yeah. Um, um, I have Hilled by Nicola Griffith, which is, like, a medieval 
a story about a medieval woman. And then I also have Joan, just bought Joan of Arc, which is by Catherine J. Chen. I hope to one day hear what you think and also maybe read them. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I read Spear by Nicola Griffith. Um, okay, last I year. thought that sounded familiar. The the name. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, really great Arthurian retelling. So, also gay. I kind of remember <laughs> that. I, I think you talked about it on an episode. I probably did. It was really good. Okay, what bothered you about this book, if anything? I don't think this really bothered me, but I did notice at times that there was kind of lapses in like the writing. Like there was like some small like either like grammatical errors or like sentence structure and I don't really care about that sort of thing like you know especially if it's somebody's style but there were just times where I like like it kind of took me out of the reading which is Mm -hmm. the only time I care about it but also like the book was wonderful and amazing and very beautifully written so I'm not super concerned about that I did kind of see that when I was like looking through through um like summaries and reviews and stuff like, I saw a lot of people say it seemed like there were lapses in, like, the editing. So. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was a rushed process. Um, Could have been. I also saw a lot of people who, like, <laughs> read it during quarantine, like, original quarantine, like, the OG 2026. <laughs> um, oh, God. We're at three years right now, everybody. Three years since those crazy days. Uh. Um, and... Like, all of their reviews were qualified by, like, it's day 33 of lockdown, so, like, take everything I say with a grain of salt. That's that's intense. It's, it's like, a little slice of history, a historical moment. I have alluded to this several times, but I felt like it was, like, it was a slow burn, but, like, it was, like, we were trying to start the fire the whole time. Like, a slow, like, kindling. Um, gathering the kindling. We have some flint stones we're trying to rub together. It was, like, going for a really long time. And by the time we got the flame really burning, I was like, how much is left of this book? And it was almost nothing. So, I didn't, I don't know if I even, like, really minded the, like, actual slow burn so much. But then, like... I felt like that was what the entire book was about, and then it happened, and then they were like, here's ten more things. Adios. Well, okay, and also I feel like there were some, like, interesting plot points that were, like, and I'm not, I don't necessarily think, like, anytime you add something in, it has to, like, go somewhere, but, like, like, there were references to, to Dina's baby not developing the speed it should, and then that, like, never really went anywhere. Um, and, like, Ursa's sister being so sick. Um, I mean, I guess that, like, adds the stakes for her. Like, it is a big deal for her to leave her home and, like, leave her sister alone um, when she gets married. Like, so it adds stakes in that way. But, like, I wanted something more to come of it. I don't know. That's a weak point, I guess. No, yeah, and, like, I think all of your points are, like, incredibly valid, and normally would totally bother me, too, (laughs) but for some reason, (laughs) couldn't tell you why, I was just, like, really into it. And that's, 
okay. I think also, I wish I remembered it a little bit more, but that's a me thing. Yeah, I think the whole, like, setup and the whole, like, the stakes on everything were very high. And it was set up to be, like, very engaging. And I guess just for me, it wasn't hitting. But I definitely see why it would. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Anything else you want to share on this? Honestly, I feel like that's kind of about it. Um... I think that, like, if you say too much about this book, too, there's just, there's not a lot of things that you can spoil, but, like, the very few things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, yeah. They're a major plot point. Yeah. Um, also, they're not friends. They're not friends. They're not, yeah, guys. 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 Stop. Be better. You like, they're not just friends, you guys. Um, I feel like there's a really... Like, did you even read the book? Yeah, that's really what I'm thinking. Like, I feel like there's, like, a cultural reference that would be really funny to say here, and I can't remember what it is. I don't know. Who would you recommend this to? Um, anyone who, yeah, like, likes historical fiction or is into sort of, like, the witch trial, um, type... I don't want to call it a trope because this is, like, a real thing that happened in real people's lives, but I guess, like, that sort of... of Yeah, they'll... I like that. The witch trial, like, exploration kind of thing. Um, that, I feel like you would find that interesting. Or, like, the, the com- conversations about, like, religious oppression and also um, sort of the, like, demonization and, v- like, villainization almost of, like, not almost, of, um, like, indigenous peoples in, like, Norway, which I feel like we don't really, at least in western united states history courses don't really talk about norway that much nor Definitely its indigenous not. population so can't even talk about it. i think own. it's cool nope i agree though um yeah historical fiction people anyone interested mm-hmm. in an exploration of witch trial ideas um i think also like if you really go for like an atmospheric read like you want to really get a feel for the setting and the like, not only the physical setting, but the vibe. <laughs> like, that is yeah. all very clear in this one. And it's, like, done very vividly. Agreed. I maybe should have asked this earlier, but was it what you expected? Was this what I expected? No, but also I didn't go into this having a lot of expectations. Fair enough. Um, this, this had been a book I, like, I found in a bookstore... At the be- I think at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> you could have been one or, of like, those reviews. <laughs> I could have been one of those reviewers. Um, and I had, I like, had wanted it for a long time, but I sort of was like, oh, I'll pick it up at some point. I kept putting on my Christmas list and never got it. And then, like, eventually did get it, but then, like, didn't read it for, like, a year. And I was like, okay, this year I'm, this year my goal was to not buy that many books and read the ones I had, but I've already failed miserably at all of those things. And it's only March. So, <laughs> to turn it around. Not after all the new books that showed up, but yeah. It can be you can progressively buy less. Yeah, I think I'm going to hold off buying more books for now as I just say is that we I just purchased another book which kind of segues into what we're reading next. <laughs> yes, it does. All right, next Wait. up. Oh, go ahead. No, you do it. <laughs> next up, we are reading 
the one, the only, the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. We're late to the party, but we are coming dressed to the nines. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. We're like two years late to the party, but it's fine. I do this all the time. Like even like watching Stranger Things, I was like, wow, I'm really going through what everyone else went through in 2016. Like, yeah, everyone's already done it. But this book has like so many outstanding reviews. Um, it is it being made into a screen adaptation? I feel like I've heard. I that. wouldn't it, be surprised. It makes sense for a adaptation. So okay, uh, Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, this book follows kind of two parallel stories of a woman a journalist in new york city who is in the midst of a divorce and she is selected by an aging famous actress evelyn hugo and um it's basically and evelyn hugo is asking her to help her tell her story and so we see both the life story of evelyn and um the journalist monique's life play out kind of in parallel yeah, I've been wanting to read this book for a long time and just, like, could never get up the guts to buy it, so now good I'm opportunity. I'm forcing you to, because I'm already in the middle of it. Uh, I guess that means I don't have to ask you what you're reading right now. <laughs> I'm also reading Animal Farm, um, which we've already talked about, but I've never read it. Um, I feel like I need to read it, and I am reading it, and I'm reading it in its physical form. I have a physical copy of it. It will be my second physical book of the year, which is not very many, but the goal is only 10. Or no, it was t- it was that I did, my whole thing was I, I read only 10 physical books last year, and I would like to read more than that. So, we're on the train. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I have too many physical books. We balance each other out. Yeah, we do. <laughs> what are you reading right now? I'm reading the second book in the Magic of the Lost series that came out recently. Um, So the first book is The Unbroken. The second one's called The Faithless. It's by C.L. Clark. Very popular in sapphic fantasy circles. Um, I read the first book, I think, during the pandemic, which is when I read a bunch of sapphic fantasy, which I was really happy about. But anyway, so it's nice to revisit it. Um, I haven't read like high fantasy in a while like I've been reading more like speculative fiction slash fiction um so it's interesting to come back to something that like is like kind of my thing with sort of different a different lens um so that's that's been really interesting and also it's just kind of nice to have a good time I feel like I don't always let myself have a good time with reading which sounds really weird i get it though reading's supposed to be fun everybody yeah (laughs) Ooh, but before i was reading this book i was reading um stone blind by natalie hayes which is the or natalie haynes which was her medusa retelling and oh my god it was incredible i i like could not stop reading that book i loved it so much and i'm so shook um yeah is that would that go up there with um like song of achilles yes like that Mm -hmm. level yeah 
But different. It's definitely not the same. But okay. same, like, yeah. I feel like it, it approaches the retelling in a different way than uh, Madeline Miller's does hers. But, like, there are a lot of, like, similar themes, obviously. Um, and just the... I was really... It, it's not, like, a streamlined narrative in the way that, like, Cersei and Achille- Song of Achilles is. It's more of, like, jumping back and forth between points of view. And, like, there's points of view that aren't necessarily, like, human or or even, like, God that are... And it's very, like, not really non-linear. I, it was really cool. Um, and just the way that the gods were portrayed was just, like, so, like, nuanced and complex. And, like, cruel and horrible, but also, like just really interesting and funny at times so which was so crazy how she was able to do like funny things in this book that's about like very like dramatic not very like dark like hard-hitting themes you know like it's not dramatic because like a lot of these things are like real people's everyday experiences like molded onto mythology you know of like sexism of like um, rape and assault culture like things like that so yeah it was incredible I loved it I have a question to close out this episode we don't have anything else to talk about right that was it yeah Mm-mm. um do you know what reading olympics are no <gasps> I brought this up casually to someone the other day and they were like whoa 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 what okay Reading Olympics are the best thing ever. So it started, like, in, I think it's more of a middle school thing, but it's basically, like, uh-huh. quiz bowl for books. So the Reading Ooh. Olympics Association, I guess, releases a book, like, or releases a list, um, like, May or June um, of, like, mm-hmm. 30 to 40 books um, that will, like, be the Reading Olympics books. And in schools, um, like, team, like, you your school forms a team or multiple teams depending how big your school is and um you try to get like collectively as a team you try to get everyone to have read as many as many of the books as possible so like not everyone reads the same books or sometimes they do it depends how many people on your team um and then the following april so you've had like all summer and the school year almost all of it to read these books you go to a big event that's at one of the participating schools and you go to different classrooms and answer questions about the books um that's so cute it was the best like it was so much fun and my school won first year every every year i was on the team um and then like my mom is a reading teacher and after i did it for the first time she was like oh my school needs to do this so now she has teens and like she just sent me a text like asking me to sketch a design for their t-shirts because all the teams have t-shirts they're the bookie monsters shout out um but all of this is to say i think that there should be adult reading olympics because the list was always so like there were always some books that like no one really wanted to read but there were always like most of them were like you were so glad you read them and you would have never picked them up on your own at least for me i think this needs to be arranged i don't know if i have the capacity to arrange it but um like there's no way i'm the only one who wants this but so you didn't have that at all no, we had, like, reading challenges and stuff, but not... We did, like, you know, the AR goals. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, the AR test. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's... 
I think that's about it for this episode of the Written World Podcast. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time when we're talking about the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Yay! <laughs>